just a bill, yes I'm only a bill, and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill, it's been a long, long journey to the capital city, and a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee, I hope I'll be a law someday, I hope and pray that I will, but today I am still just a bill. If you are under the age of 30 and you have no idea what's going on right now, this is how we learned about government when we were kids. This is how we learned about government. Speaking of kids, your lesson is over. You too can go and learn about God. Don't, don't worry about this stuff. If you're, uh, by the way, if you're under the age of 20, we learned about government from Saturday morning cartoons. And yes, we had to wait till Saturday morning to get cartoons. Am I right? Listen, I never, it's so funny because I don't hear anything about uh, bills anymore, do you? What I hear instead is about executive orders. You hearing about executive orders? So, so I wrote a little song about executive orders. Are you ready for it? I'm just an executive order and deal with it. That's it. That's all I got. I got to just deal. But, but you're unconstitutional. Yeah, I said deal with it. Oh, We're going to talk about the government today. You ready for that? You people think Pastor Glenn is nice. He gives me these assignments. I wonder if Steve Newman hazed him like this when they first started preaching together. Um, when I say the word government, what do you think of? I mean, either your eyes glaze over, so many people, their eyes glaze over, or literally your blood pressure starts to rise, right? Um, and, and we are in a time when we are so politically polarized, it is unbelievable. Some of you, as I'm talking here this morning, you are convinced that the president we have now is the worst president in the history of America. And some of you are equally convinced that the last president was the worst president we have had in American history. Yeah, don't be clapping, people. You don't want to get into this with me. I'm telling you right now, we're, we are as, as polarized as we have ever been. So we are going to look at what Romans has to say about the role of our government and our relationship with our government today. So buckle up your seatbelts and grab your notes and follow along with me this morning. As we look at Romans chapter 13, we'll start in verse 1. And here's our first point. Are you ready? Here we go. Obey the governor. Some of you are like, I ain't writing that in, Steve. You can't make me. I refuse to write that in. I'm not writing it in. I know how you feel. Okay, okay, listen. If it makes you feel any better, write in, obey the authority. Obey the authority. Don't worry, next weekend you might feel better about your governor. It's hard to say. You might not, but you might. It's hard to say. This would be a really hard topic of government if perhaps, you know, we were doing a recall election this exact week. Or if, say, for instance, the government was threatening mandatory vaccines for everyone. 
We live in a weird time where trying to process this is brutal, but we're going to look at what the Bible says about this. In Romans 13, verse 1, it says this. Ready? Everyone who? Everyone must submit to what? Governing authorities. All right, everybody, let's just stop. Can we just... Let's breathe in and out. Everybody, are we good? Like, let, like let's, let's have some, let's be good with this. Breathe in and out. It's going to be a long sermon. Just, just pace yourselves. Let's look, shake it out a little bit. Let's roll our necks. You guys going to be all right? Listen, I did a deep dive into the Greek this week. The Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in, in Greek, this particular passage. And I looked at the original language and I went into the words choices and really those words as they were used in other places in contemporary literature. And I came to the conclusion that that word, everyone, that word, everyone, what it actually means if you go to the Greek is everyone but you. Uh, so I, I, I want to, I in fact, just so that we're all on the same page, I want to make sure you understand this. Everyone means everyone. And you might even put in the little, it includes me. It includes me. Okay, good. Let's, uh, let's continue with the passage here now that we've established who everyone is. And it says, as we continue on, for all authority comes from who? God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by who? God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has, what? Instituted. And they will be punished. This is some hard stuff here if you're looking at it through our lens today, right? But I want you to see some points here. Here's the first one. Authorities are established by God. Authorities are established by God. Now, this is the part of the message that I will call the but what about portion of the message, okay? But what about, Steve? What about this? What about that? This is the part of the message where we all push back on the scripture. It's going to give you something to talk about at lunch. You're going to thank me later. But right now, before you start writing the nasty email to me, I know somebody right now on their phones got it, you know, chewed up and they're like, Dear Pastor Steve, normally I like your preaching, but you crossed the line, buddy. Authorities are established by God. Here's the, what I call the what about. What about Hitler and Nazi Germany? What about Saddam Hussein and Iraq? What about the Taliban in Afghanistan? Literally three weeks ago, there was a different government than there is now. You can't possibly mean those governments, Steve. You can't possibly mean those leaders, can you, Steve? I mean, they weren't established by God. Well, we need a little context to understand this a little bit. Get this. I want to remind you of something. Paul, in writing this book, is writing to who? Romans, who are living where? In Rome. You guys are good. You can be taught. I love that about you. Uh, it's true. Paul is talking about the Roman government when he is writing this to these believers in Rome. And the Roman government is the Roman government that crucified Jesus Christ. The Roman government is the Roman government that in just a few years would have Paul's head taken off. The Roman government is the same Roman government that the kids and grandkids and maybe even some of the people reading this letter will be hunted for sport in the Colosseum simply because they're Christians. The Caesar who is in charge in Rome at this time is a guy by the name of Nero. Anybody heard of Nero before? Nero. Nero was the Hitler of his era. He absolutely was. He, he would uh, burn Christians in his courtyard. 
He literally would soak Christians in wax and light them up to light his courtyard like patio lights. This is the government that Paul is writing about when he writes this. And we get all worked up about our government, right? And, and don't get me wrong, this is about us and about our government too because the things apply. You say, I don't like the leadership that we have now. Yet that's true, but nobody's burning Christians in the Rose Garden right now. So we need to have a little perspective when we go through this, right? The intent of this passage, the intent of this passage, if you don't get anything else, get this. The intent of this passage is, is that we would be good citizens. But not just that. That we would be good employees, that we would be good children, that we would be good students, that we would be a reflection of Christ any place where someone else has authority over us. Okay? So let's keep going here. In First Peter, in fact, I want to show you this passage in First Peter. It says, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. Whether who? The king as head of state. Or who else? The officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your, your honorable lives, get that, your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. What else? Fear God and what else? Respect the king. This is about being good citizens and being good people to anyone who has authority over us. So here's how we do that. Ready? We do right. We do what is right. Romans 13, let's continue with the passage and see what it has to say here. It says, For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are what? Doing right. But in those who are? Doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Then what? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good, but if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. This is pretty logical stuff. This passage is not a tough passage to preach. It's pretty straightforward. There's not a whole lot of twists and turns. Do what's right. When you are doing what is right, you don't have to worry. Our, our world is filled with rules. Can I get an amen out of anyone? We got rules everywhere, right? We got rules of the road. We got rules of the house. We got rules at work. We got laws of the land, rules. Don't you just sometimes want to break the rules? Come on, some of you do. I know you do. How many of you here are rule keepers? You naturally keep the rules. Show, show up your hand. You're just rule keepers, just normally catch. The, yeah, okay, I see. How many of you are rule breakers? Throw up your hands. Some of you are like, I'm not putting up my hand. You can't tell me what to do. Preacher boy. Some of us are wired that, right, that way, right? Listen, when the police lights go on behind you, and you see him in the rearview mirror, and you look down at your speedometer, and you're going the speed limit. And you think to yourself, over the last few blocks, I made a turn here, I did that there. No, I haven't done anything. I ain't done nothing, copper. I ain't done nothing, copper. You got nothing on me, right? Have you ever had that moment? 
And then you think, but the lights are on. I better pull over. So you start to merge over and get off the road. And just then the, the, he kicks it into gear and flies past you because he's going to another call. Anybody ever had that happen? And you all go, whoo. Right? We all feel better at that moment, right? When you're doing right, you don't have to worry that much. Right? You can rest easy. When you're doing right and you're, you're following the laws of the land, you can rest easy. But if you look down and you see your speedometer and the number on your speedometer is the age of your grandparents, you got trouble. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It reminds me of a story uh, that I was told. It was a true story that was told to me when I was in, in high school. It was a story about four guys that were going skiing. They were heading up the mountain to go skiing and they were driving together and as they were driving up this mountain a Porsche flew by them at about 100 miles an hour 100 miles an hour this Porsche goes by him whoosh few minutes later uh, police lights come on behind them in their rearview mirror so they pulled over in their Datsun B210 now this is an important note for those of you not raised in the 70s this is a Datsun B210 uh, all, all generations have their Datsun B210, though, am I right? In the 1980s, it was the Yugo. How many people remember the Yugo? In the 1990s, it was the, uh, the Geo Metro. You know the Geo Metro, right? In the 2000s, it was the, the smart car. You know the little tiny smart car? I still have a friend who has that smart car. That's only seats two, so it wouldn't work. There was four people in the car. So I'll say it was the PT Cruiser in the early... How many people had a PT Cruiser? No, yeah, you won't admit it. I know, I got gotcha. you. Right now, it's the Nissan Cube. It is the ugliest, boxy-looking. Have you ever seen it, ever? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so here's the important part. The Datsun B210 couldn't go 100 miles if there was, you know, if it was on top of a Ferrari, okay? It just couldn't do it. Uh, anyway, so the, the officer walks up behind him and says to the guy, he says, uh, you know why I pulled you over? And the guy says, no, I got no idea. He says, I clocked you back there doing 98 miles an hour. And the driver, without missing a beat, looked back at the police officer and said, I dare you to write that ticket. (laughs) And the police officer was like, what? He glared back at him. He goes, I dare you to write the ticket that we were going 98 miles an hour uphill with four grown adults in a Datsun B210. I will see you in court. And the officer looked at him and looked at his car and he said, just slow down, son. Uh... (laughs) Listen, when you're following the rules, you mostly don't have to worry. And I'm going to qualify that because there's a mostly. But there is some valid, but what about? The what, but what about? The question is, when it comes to doing what is right, the question is, says who? Says who? Should we never question authority? Do we never question authority? Now, I'm going to give you, there are lots of examples in Scripture of this, and so I'm going to give you a few of those of God's followers who are saying, I won't do that. I won't do that. I don't care who you are. I won't do that. Even if it's the law, I won't do that. The apostles did this time and time again. In the book of Acts, we see, so they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey who? You? Rather than who? Him? We cannot stop telling about what we have seen and heard, everything we have seen and heard. 
And the apostles ended up in jail again and again and again if you've read through the book of Acts. Here's the point. We can question authority. We can question authority. We can hold our earthly authorities to a higher standard. We can ask, what does God say about this? What is God's law in this? We appeal to a higher authority, and that's God. We appeal to a higher authority, and that's God. We see it again, the apostles in Acts chapter 5. It happened to them again and again. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you what? We gave you strict orders. Never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him. And you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles reply, we must what? Obey God rather than what? We're, we're going to obey God over any human authority. When push comes to shove, we will obey God. And the authorities in the book of Acts, they, uh, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him, but because of the circumstances, they were afraid of the crowd and everybody else. Instead, they only flogged them, beat them to within an inch of their life. That's what happened. They beat them to within an inch of their life. And this is what they said. It's not in your notes, but if you want to write in the margin, Acts 5, 41 and 42. They left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Listen, i got to be honest with you. If the government says, do not gather in Jesus' name, we will still gather and worship Jesus Christ. Just ask the believers in China or Iraq or Afghanistan. They're still gathering no matter what their government says. If the government says Bibles are outlawed, we will smuggle Bibles because they're God's word and they are the only true source of, of life for people. If, if the government says you cannot preach the gospel, you know what we will do? We will set up radio stations just outside the border of that country and we will broadcast into that country with every watt of power we have available to us the name and the message of Jesus Christ in the gospel. We will get on the internet. We will create strategies to minister to people through online presence. And we will continue to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. But I want you to get this part because this actually matters. Even if we do all those things, it's just as important how we do it. It's how we do it. We will disobey, but we'll do it with respect. We'll do it with respect. I know that sounds maybe counterintuitive, but I want you to see it here in the book of Daniel from the Old Testament. If you look in the book of Daniel, if you don't know the story of Daniel, uh, Daniel in the Old Testament, uh, Jerusalem was overrun by this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel and the best of the brightest of these young men uh, were exiled to Babylon. By the way, this is you, Gen Z. This is like kids coming out of high school and college right now. These are the best and the brightest. This was Daniel and the boys, and the boys who had a Z on it, you know, what I'm talking about and so they, they were going into Babylon and they were they were kind of raising through the ranks and they got into the highest levels of go government within Babylon 
And then long story short, uh, that king dies and there's a new king and there's some new government officials. And they're trying to get rid of this 20-something Jewish kid, uh, Danny, right? Danny boy. And they want to get rid of him, but they can't because he's clean. He's so full of integrity and he, he manages everything the right way. And so he, they can't get rid of him at this point. And so they trick some of the new administrators and governors, trick the king into making a law that will punish anyone who doesn't bow down to the king and pray only to the king for 30 days and he'll be thrown into the lion's den by the way this is just a little side note but we turn some weird stories into sunday school lessons for little kids don't we like like you know what this story is about it's about capital punishment through a dismemberment by animals get out the flannel graph let's you know let's show the kids or, or noah noah is noah is about a global climate crisis that wipes out every living person on earth. And we think, let's just add a boat and some animals. That's what we'll do. And then we teach it to first and second graders, right? But if you dive deeper into these stories, there's a lot more going on than just the Sunday school lesson. And so here's the interesting thing. Most of you know the story, but in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says, but when Daniel learned the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down how? As usual, in his upstairs room with its window open toward Jerusalem, and he what? He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Daniel have to do this? Is there a law anywhere? Is there any instruction in the Old Testament that you must pray three times a day out a window while facing Jerusalem? There isn't. This was just kind of his habit. This was his, the way he did it. And he went and did it again. And, and it's not required, but he gets caught. Imagine that, praying out the window three times a day towards Jerusalem like he always had. And these guys catch, catch him, and the king, he has to punish him. So he throws Daniel into the lion's den. Listen to what it says. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, what? Would you have answered, long live the king? I don't know. Yeah, get me out of here. I don't know if that's how you would have answered, right? I think my answer would have been, suck eggs, King Darius. I'm down here. You want some? Come on down, baby. You want a piece of this? Let's dance with Mufasa. Come on. But I have a bad attitude. Daniel was respectful. He says, long live the king. Long live the king. Here's the thing. If you feel compelled to go against authority, we do it with respect. We do it with respect. And we are willing to face the consequences. We're willing to face the consequences. I like the way another pastor stated that this week as I was sort of studying for this message. He said it this way, and I thought it was interesting. If a law is just, obey it. If a law is stupid, I mean, who drives 55, right? But if a law is stupid, obey it or accept the consequences. Daniel says, this is stupid that I shouldn't be able to pray to God, but accept the consequences. And if it's sinful, you disobey it and you also accept the consequences. 
I want to give you one more example from the book of, of Daniel that sort of shows this. Uh, this is from some more of the Jewish wonder kids, if you know what I mean. Uh, these are the overachievers. These are the AP students. AP students, God's got a place for you. Uh, unfortunately, it's in a fiery furnace. But uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you've probably heard of them. The king had this huge golden statue made of himself. This was the original selfie. He had this uh, huge golden statue made of himself, and he made a law uh, that everyone must bow down to this image of gold as him. And, and these advisors of his, these kings are always kind of puppets. It's the advisors who are doing it all the time. The advisors come in and they say, hey, you've got to make a law, and anyone who doesn't bow down is going to be thrown into the furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to bow down to anyone but God. He says, we won't follow that law. We won't do it. We won't bow to that. Listen to what it says in Daniel chapter 3. It says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But, and get this, what does it say? But what? Even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods. We will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Even if he doesn't save us, we are willing to accept the consequences. We will follow God and we will break the law of the land and we will go against you and we will accept whatever consequences you have for us. And many of you know how the story ended. Uh, the fourth figure in the fire and, and he walked him out and uh, the ropes were burned off. But here's the thing. I'm willing to accept the consequences. I'll walk into the fiery furnace. I'll go to jail if, if preaching Jesus sends me to jail. I'll smuggle the Bibles and if I end up in jail because of that, I'll, I'll do that because I'm willing to accept the consequences. Whew. Okay, so we got through that. Everybody feeling good? Good. Glad to hear that. Let's go on to what's next. Here we go. Next thing is, pay your taxes. Oh, come on. Come on. Pay your taxes? All right, let's go. Let's do this. Here's what it says next. What are we supposed to do? Yeah, that was said with such little gusto. Pay your taxes, too, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving who? God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give what? Respect. And what else? Honor to those who are in authority. When, when you think of paying taxes to the government, what do you think of? I mean, do you think of the president... Do you think of that, that loudmouth congressman or congresswoman who's just been caught in a scandal or, 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 or your governor who was eaten out? What, what do you think of? Like when we think of, when we think of that, what do we think of? Or, or let me ask you this. Do you think of the firefighter or the police officer or the teacher at the public school who's teaching your kids or your grandkids? 
or the air traffic controller that's sitting in a building somewhere while you put your neck pillow on as you take off? Do you think about the clerk working in the city hall in the public works department? This last week, I I made a phone call to the city of Lodi because I got my utility bill, and on my utility bill, my wastewater section of my bill had gone up by $100 from last year at this time. It was $100 more this month. And I called up and I said, what is the deal with my wastewater bill being up so high? How do they calculate wastewater? And I spoke spoke to a lovely lady. Her name was Rebecca. And Rebecca said, well, I could tell you. I said, how do, they, how do they calculate that? She said, it's easy. They take your water usage from the past six months. Every six months they do this. They take your water usage and they calculate what your wastewater is based on your water usage. And then they update. And I go, well, it went up from $50 a month to $150 a month. That seems like a lot. And she said, well, it does. And I said, but I think I know why this happened. I had a sprinkler system break in my backyard that nobody noticed in my backyard. And so I literally had water gushing into my backyard. This actually happened twice in the last six months. And I had water bills that were in excess of $400. Yeah, that was her reaction too. Thank you for validating me. I appreciate that. I, and, and she was like, oh, wow, that's, that's a lot. And I said, thank you. I know, right? And I said, but I just paid those bills because I figured that was on me. It was my sprinkler system, and, and it wasn't that I didn't notice. My kids didn't notice, but uh, I just moved in a month ago. But th- I, I said, I figured that was on me. So I paid the bills, the $400 bills, but it seems wrong that I should have to pay $100 a month for the next six months based on a, based on a utility you know, break, that, a, a leak that I fixed and paid for. And you know what Rebecca said to me? She said, you're right, that does sound unreasonable. And I said, well, thank you, Rebecca. And Rebecca said, you know what? I'm going to talk to my boss and I will call you back tomorrow. And I said, you're a gem, Rebecca. And you know what happened the next day? Rebecca called me back. I don't know why nobody calls back anymore. Do you notice this anymore? You call companies and nobody calls you back no matter what you do. Rebecca called me back. She said, hi, is this Steve? I said, yes. Hi, Rebecca. She said, you know what? I looked into it with my boss And you're right, and he agreed you're right. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take your bill back to $50 because of this one-time incident. Now, if this happens again and again, I said, no, 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 I get it. And so she said, we're going to go ahead and do that. We'll fix that for you. And I said, thank you. (laughs) Do you know who I am happy to pay taxes for? Rebecca! I am happy to pay my taxes for Rebecca because Rebecca did her gig. Rebecca did her job. She did it kindly and with enthusiasm and efficiency. And I am so thankful for Rebecca. You know who else I'm thankful for? The widows and kids of firefighters and police officers who gave their lives in 9-11. Those guys charged up, those guys charged up the stairwells to go and save people. They saved almost 20,000 people, Ken Johnson said yesterday at our, at our remembrance. And if my taxes go to help pay for that widow and those kids to get through college or whatever else, you know who I'm happy to pay taxes for? I am happy to pay taxes for that. I'm absolutely happy to pay taxes for that. Those guys just came into work on a Tuesday. As government workers. And they didn't know they were going to give their life that day. I am happy to pay taxes for that.
Listen, we live in a country with great roads. Not all of them, but you know what I'm talking about. Great roads. We have infrastructure. We have clean water. We have sewer, sanitation services. We have police protection. We have fire and medical response when something happens. And, and, and. Tell me again why you don't report that income. Explain to me again why you're extra creative on your tax returns. Tell me why are you paying under the table or getting paid under the table? But Steve, the government is so wasteful. I know, I know. But Steve, the government supports things I don't support. I know, I know. But we pay our taxes so that we can do what is right for those who deserve what is right. You know, this whole thing is answered by Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 22. We see it in Matthew 22, right? Many of you know this story. It says, now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew they were trying to trick him and he knew their evil motives. He said, you hypocrites. He said, why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. And when they handed him a what? Roman coin. He asked, whose picture and title is stamped on it? Who's on there? Caesar. Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them and they went away. Jesus says, taxes? I don't care about your taxes. What God has always wanted is our heart. What God has always wanted is our heart. Which leads me to... Oh my gosh, we almost are there, guys. Hang in there. Don't send that email quite yet, all right? Um, For some of you, the so what of this is about government. It really is. It's how you see your government. Your heart towards your government. Can I tell you, so many of us have let politics and the government overwhelm your thoughts and your anxieties, and you are so focused on it, it is doing you no earthly good. You need an attitude adjustment about your view on government. And you maybe even need an attitude on your view towards taxes. You're welcome. But for so many of us, this is about authority. It's all authority. We rebel against all authority. I don't know if this is true for you. I love authority when I'm in authority. You know when I don't love authority? When somebody else is telling me what to do. But it's our attitude towards authority, right? And we see in this passage so clearly that God works through human authority. He works through good authority. He works through bad authority. God established and is working that authority. If you are a student, this is about your parents and your teachers at school. If you're an employee... This is about your boss and your corporate structure or managers. If, and for all of us living here in America, this really is about our government too. It's how we react to authority. Can I tell you something? If you are a Christian and you haven't paid your taxes in years and years and years, or you're cheating on your taxes, please, for the love of God, don't tell anyone you're a Christian. If you're an employee and the way that you treat your boss or the way you talk about your boss behind their back or the way that you undermine everything he does or she does, please do not tell them you're a Christian. And if you're a Christian citizen, here's the point of this. If we are Christian citizens, we should be the best citizens in the United States of America. 
We should be the most obedient sons and daughters. We should be the most loyal employees at the place that we work. Not because we agree with everything our government does. It is not because of that. It is not because we agree with everything our parents do or say. Or our company, the policies and procedures they have. It's not because of that. It's because God has established those authorities and people are watching. Why do we obey the authorities? Because it's to advance the gospel. It's to advance the gospel. I want you to see 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says this. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for who? Kings and all who are what? In authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases, our God, pleases God our Savior who wants who? Everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. The reason that we respond the way we do to authority is not because of that authority. It's because of our authority, Jesus Christ, and because we want everyone possible to come to know our authority, Jesus Christ. Would you just bow your heads wherever you're at? Because I know how some of you are reacting to this. It's rough. You've got some baggage when it comes to this. And maybe you're going to walk out of here and ignore it, but I just want to challenge you today. That whatever authority is in your life right now that is maybe pushing down on you, you have an authority in your world that is, that is oppressing you in some way, can you look at them as established by God? That doesn't mean you have to like them. That doesn't mean you have to like the rules. It doesn't mean you have to, but you will obey and you will do it with respect and you will accept the consequences and we will magnify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in every situation so that the employee next to you goes, man, why... Are you the way you are? So the student next to you says, man, why in the world are you the way you are? Father God, as we gather and wrestle with what it looks like to be under authority, both from our government and in the places that you have established authorities over us, God, let us do what is right. Do what is right in your eyes, God. Let us do what is right that we might have influence, that we might have impact, and that we might make a difference in those who are lost and need to be saved. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.